Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. Your bags, start the car, and get on the road. It's time to go across the country two minutes at a time for the biggest stories of the day where they're happening. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Indianapolis, Indiana. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio. Boston, Mass. Miami, Florida. It's the two-minute drill on the program. Second half of the program begins right now around the country, two minutes at a time, talking to the people covering the stories where they're happening. It's brought to you by our friends at the University of Kansas Health System. Do you have an injury? Did it occur in everyday life? Did it occur playing sports? Walk right in. They've got walk-in care, sprains, strains, fractures, joint injuries. They happen in life. You can be seen by an expert. Uh, my wife was in and out in less than 30 minutes. Orthopedic walk-in care is available right there at 435 and all. See, be, be, uh, excuse me, be seen by the same experts that care for your Kansas. City Chiefs. Weekdays are 8 to 7. Saturdays, 8 to 2. Learn more at KansasHealthSystem.com slash orthopedics. Let's get things started. On the drill, we begin in Miami, Florida, uh, where we uh, talk to uh, Alex Dono, uh, Five Reason Sports and Locked on Canes podcast. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I, I know South Florida football fans are pretty jealous of uh, the Kansas City football fans, so congratulations to the run that the Chiefs are on once again. Yeah, we don't take it lightly. We had a lot of tough days for sure, and uh, and it's been a hell of a run right now. And it's one that you know started with, with a win over the Dolphins that at one time were the it team, right? The Cowboys were the it team for a while, the Dolphins, the Bills. There have been a number of teams that finally settled on the Ravens and Niners at the end of the year. Uh, what, 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 what do the Dolphins need to get over the hump, and why was Vic Fangio not part of that equation? Uh, that was a little surprising to me. I, I guess it's not too surprising that Fangio wasn't around for more than one year because, you know, he's obviously maybe near near the back nine, but I think he's a tremendous defensive coordinator. And we're starting to hear these stories after the fact about how, you know, he wasn't gelling well with his players. They didn't really like his, his personality and his coaching style day to day. And, for me, it's like, you know, you've heard these stories about, about Fangio being like an old-school disciplinarian with an old-school mentality. I, I think the Dolphins knew that when they hired him. I, I feel like there's a little bit of damage control being done after the fact that they parted ways uh, with him. But I, I loved his defense, and, you know, for most of the season, defense was a strength for the Miami Dolphins. I think Fangio's going to be missed. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have interviewed a few candidates to replace him. Uh, Brandon Staley, who's a former head coach uh, in the NFL, has interviewed. I, I think they might end up going internal with uh, their linebackers coach, Anthony Campanile, who did interview for that job, I believe, earlier today. I've, I've heard a little bit of buzz for the past several days that he might end up being the guy. Uh, he's well-liked within the organization. Uh, he's actually been around for multiple head coaches and multiple defensive coordinators that he's worked under. Um, you know, I, I had to study Campanile a little bit last year because he was a rumored name for a Miami Hurricanes defensive coordinator job that ultimately didn't go to him, and maybe he'll end up getting that job with the Dolphins now. But, you know, overall, you're asking me what the Dolphins need. Um I think the Dolphins need more physicality. I mean, the reason why they struggled so much against teams like the Chiefs, 
Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, those were the teams that were their kryptonite this past year. Uh, I think the Dolphins were exposed as being a finesse offense that just couldn't handle it when they were facing teams with physical defenses that could disrupt Tua Tungle by lowest timing. I don't think Tua's going anywhere. I think he's probably going to get a long-term extension. Uh, obviously, he's, he's a really talented quarterback. I, I think maybe the Dolphins need to solidify their play calling and solidify their offensive line a little bit more, and that's going to help Tua succeed. Yeah, that's interesting because it uh, was just seven points that they scored uh, in that uh, playoff game, so it wasn't like the offense was uh, gelling. Now it's also uh, brutally cold, brutal conditions. I'll say this, they, they need to figure out a way to play in South Florida. I think some cold weather teams having to come down and play in the humidity would be a good thing. We'll see if they can do that. What does a contract for Tua look like? Is the expectation that he's going to be up towards the top? Is he a middle-class quarterback that's going to take some kind of Derek Carr-like contract? What's it look like for him? Yeah, you would hope it's something like that because I think there there would be a feeling that obviously with some, some of the ways that Tua has been, I, I keep using the word exposed. It's kind of a strong word for a guy who put up the numbers he put up. But you know, Tua, he hasn't really won anything significant yet in the NFL. He finally proved for one season that he could get through without getting injured. So uh, I don't believe he should end up getting top five quarterback money. I, I think something around Derek Carr range or a little bit higher. Um, you know, I think the market has reset itself uh, just a little bit, but in, in a way where I think his agent's going to be asking for top quarterback money. I think the hope down here would be that they can find a little bit of a hometown discount because the other part of that is you know, once you extend Tua, and it's going to be big money, whatever it is, once you give him that extension, that limits your flexibility to sign great players around him. And I think something we figured out with Tua is he can be a really good quarterback, but he can't do, you know, the type of magic that Pat Mahomes or even Josh Allen uh, and Lamar Jackson can do where they can, you know, put their team on their back. Tua, Tua needs great players around him to be great. He's not a guy who's going to elevate a mediocre supporting cast. So hopefully, hopefully he understands that when they work on this extension. Uh, tell me, what's wrong with the uh, Hurricanes basketball team, just 5-4 and four in the ACC after going to the Final Four last year? Just a miracle run, or is there something that's wrong? Did they lose a bunch of guys? Uh, what, 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 what's the problem right now? Yeah, they did. They did lose some important players from last season. Um, they they haven't gelled, and we're coming to find out this year a problem that they had last year being way too small. They were able to overcome that with just ridiculous ball movement shooting last season. They haven't been able to overcome that so much this year. I mean, their their best big man, who's the quote unquote big man, who's been great, you know, since just returning from injury, Norchad Omir, who you know had a thirty point double double a couple of games ago he's been sensational but he is undersized like he's he's kind of their marquee big man that's you know he's, he's smaller than six foot nine he's having to guard seven footers uh you know coach Jim Laranega has worked magic in the past I mean they before the final four run last year they had you know, an elite eight run and a sweet 16 run prior to that um so I think the team is still yet to fully gel but that's the problem when they're you know maybe on the outside looking in right now on the bubble so they're they're gonna have to have a brilliant month of February at a month of a great month month of March if they're going to make the tournament again this year. Uh, Heat have lost six straight, seven of ten. What's wrong? 
Oh, I don't know because you know you thought Jimmy Butler putting up 28 points, you wouldn't get blown out by the Knicks. Uh, I honestly thought Jaime Jaquez coming back from injury, the rookie who's been sensational. I thought that would help. It hasn't helped so far. I thought trading for Scary Terry Ro- Rozier would help, and they they haven't won a game since they acquired him. So honestly, uh, I kind of wonder if that that nucleus of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, if if this version of the Miami Heat is running its course a little bit, and at the end of this season, if they might have to blow it up, because it's been five or six years with this core nucleus together, and they haven't blown it up. So I, I wonder if they're reaching their expiration date. Uh, you know, I know that when when Rozier arrived in Miami, it was a whirlwind. You know, he hasn't really had a chance to get settled yet. So I, I think his best days in a Heat uniform are to come. There's certainly a lot of pressure on him. He hasn't scored uh, more than 10 points in any game he's appeared so far in as a member of the Miami Heat. Uh, but yeah, I, I did feel like they punched above their weight a season ago. Uh, they're on a six-game losing streak, which it just goes to show how consistent the Heat franchise has been, where if they lose again tonight, they're hosting the Phoenix Suns. If they lose their seventh straight, that would be their longest losing streak since 2008. So for the last, what is that, 14, I'm terrible at math, 14 years I think it is, they haven't had a seven-game losing streak. So that goes to show you how consistent the Heat organization has been. But this is some of the worst basketball they've played in years. <laughs> Watching some of these games has been painful. So hopefully they can bounce back tonight against the Phoenix Suns team that got blown out by the Orlando Magic in their last game. Alex Dono in Miami, Florida. Great stuff. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great week, my friend. You too. Thank you. Judson Richards, WBBM in Chicago, Illinois is next. Judson, how are you, sir? Saran, it's been too long. Great to talk to you. Uh, congratulations to your Chiefs, to your listeners. You are all the uh, the envy of the NFL world. That must be a lot of fun for you. Uh, it is a lot of fun, and thank you. I appreciate that. And where do Bears fans sit? No change at the head coach. Why? What? 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 Why? Why do they believe that a combination of Eberflus and two new coordinators plus Justin Fields equals any more success than it's been already? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus came in together. Uh, you know, Ryan Poles, there, he was there in Kansas City, a 36-year-old. Um, and, you know, the first thing that Ryan Poles did is really just bury the roster, right? Traded away Roquan Smith, traded away Robert Quinn, uh, and ran this thing into the ground, got what he wanted with the number one overall pick. Uh, and so you can't expect too quickly of a bounce back. And I think that this is a general manager that recognizes what he gave his head coach. Now, if you go deeper into it, the Bears lost a lot of close games um, this past season. And that can often fall on the decisions that a head coach made. However, with, with Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, leaving in the middle of the season for mysterious reasons, as Matt Eberflus took over as defensive coordinator, the things he's done so well in his career, they got immediately better defensively, obviously adding Montez Sweat certainly helped that. So you had a defense that was best in stopping the run in all of the, all of the NFL. Overall, the defense looked incredible. So do you start over there defensively when you have a chance at, at the number one overall pick, the best quarterback coming in and take care of the offensive side of the ball? Uh, I thought that it was completely foolish to not kick the, uh, kick the tires on Jim Harbaugh. 
with what we know Harbaugh can do with quarterbacks. He's got connections to Chicago. Uh, Ryan Poles is going to certainly have egg on his face if Matt Eberflus doesn't have success immediately this next season. No, he might not get to make the next choice as to uh, right. who the head coach is. Uh, all right, what do they do in the draft uh, with those picks? Well, you know, I, I, I think very highly of Caleb Williams, just like you do. Um, you know, NFL.com, they, they kind of did a year-end review on quarterbacks. And so, because there's a lot of people here in Chicago that really, really love Justin Fields. But if you try to look at it objectively, Fields was 19th on that list, right? He had 61% passing percentage, 16 touchdown passes, 9 interceptions, 10 fumbles, only played in 13 games. If you look at it objectively, 19th seems fair. After three seasons, why in the world would you not upgrade with what some people to be, maybe a generational talent is too far, but if you look at the skill set of Caleb Williams, which is compared to Patrick Mahomes, I know that that's a reach with what Mahomes has done recently, but Justin Fields to me is a natural thrower. He is not a natural passer like Mahomes is. Caleb Williams, to me, is closer to a natural passer. They see the field differently than everyone else does. Fields is somewhat of a one-read-and-run kind of guy. He holds onto the ball too long. He is a world-class athlete. He's got the big arm. He is not a natural passer. So it feels like a difficult decision. Ultimately, when we get to the draft, I do not think it will be. I think the Bears will move on from Justin Fields, and I think that Caleb Williams will be the guy to try to get them somewhere, somewhere close to the postseason. Cody Bellinger has not received an offer, reports say, from the uh, Cubs. Why? Because Craig Council is just so brilliant that he is going to get them to 95 wins with his decision-making late in games. That sounds funny, but a little bit. It feels like they're like, well, now we have the smartest manager in the room. Now we have the smartest manager of the two dugouts when they take the field. Uh, we can outsmart the opposition. I don't know why Jed Hoyer's been sitting on his wallet like he has been. A year or two ago, it, it, you know, the numbers came out. The Cubs, going to Wrigley, was the most expensive experience mm-hmm. in all of Major League Baseball. And I don't know if you've seen them on television. Uh, those seats are not empty. So you combine the cost of it and the jewel that is Wrigley Field, as it should be, uh, going to a game there is like nothing else in Major League Baseball, at least in my opinion. I don't know why they haven't been more aggressive. I think they're ninth as of right now. They just signed Hector Neris, uh, you know, to be a reliever. Had a great year last year with the Astros. Uh, Shota Imanaga will be number three. So they kind of may replace those numbers with Marcus Stroman. Uh, and then the trade with Michael Bush. You know, I, I, I don't understand what's going on the corners of the infield. you got an unknown in Michael Bush for the trade that they made with the Dodgers. Uh, and then Nick Madrigal, I don't know if he'll play there, but, I mean, Madrigal, I don't know if he could have gotten it out with where he played at Oregon State, let alone, you know, hitting home runs at the major league level. They, they just seem, they're, they're light in the low points. They seem to really, really lack punch. And I don't know why Jed Hoyer, they're, they're obviously very strong up the middle with Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner. But at some point in time, the Cubs, to me, should have a top-five roster year in, year out because they are the Cubs. They are nowhere near that. They won 83 games last year, and that was with Cody Bellinger having an all-star season. But, you know, the season does not start for another couple of months. I would not be surprised if Bellinger is a Cub. He certainly loved doing it. All right, uh, Judson, great to hear from you, brother. We appreciate it. Judson Richards in Chicago, Illinois. You're the man. Have yourself a great week, my friend. Thanks, Seren. All the best. I'm a rider, I'm a 
Scott Hastings, Altitude Sports and Nuggets TV in Denver, Colorado's next. Scott, how are you, sir? Good, good, good. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, excited about the uh, the Super Bowl coming here in Kansas City. It puts off a little time before we, uh, you know, start looking at the other sports here. But uh, in Denver, uh, do Nuggets rule? Have they actually uh, passed the uh, Denver Broncos with all their success of late? Uh, listen, you know this. The NFL is king. NFL will always be king. But but what the Nuggets and, and the Colorado Avalanche, at least, have done is they've made the winter survivable with entertaining and quality basketball and hockey. Um, and then we just got to worry about, you know, Sean Payton getting mad at somebody else and not liking them. But, uh, no, it, it's it's an interlude. It's an interlude until uh, OTAs. Okay. I like that. Uh, we'll see how long until Sean Payton uh, gets mad and doesn't like somebody. I think that's fantastic. Uh, what do we think is going to happen uh, at the quarterback position? Is it, Are they going to cut bait with Russell Wilson sometime during this offseason? Well, listen, uh, if you if you buy into all the reports, if you buy into the, the thought process that, listen, this was never, Russell Wilson was never Sean Payton's guy, that he might have been setting up for, the, for failure, that, yes, how do you have this guy on? The problem is, and you know this, uh, dead, dead cap money, and that, that's real. And... You know, is is Stidham the guy that's going to take you or be the bridge guy even for you for the next couple of years? Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. The best thing for them to do was somebody should have got in Champagne's ears and make it work at least for one more season. Then all of a sudden the money isn't as big a factor. If you could stretch it out to two, stretch it out to two. Uh, but he kind of drew his line in the sand. Today they hired a, a, a buddy of his who's in the front office of New Orleans who's now vice president of scouting. Um, and so he's getting his people in place. He, he seems to be running the entire show today, or show right now. Um, and whether you like Sean Payton or not like him, is probably whether you like this decision that they've made, giving him this much control. Um, by the way, do we believe that there's any truth that Joel Embiid is scared of playing uh, Jokic? Is that like a theme that's actually running around Denver right now? There was a well, yeah, it's gonna listen. That's that's a cool thing, right? I mean, you know, Kansas City and Bronco fans. It's always a, it's always a cool rub, and it's the two best centers in all of basketball. I will give you a stat that I've heard that the Embiid has had nine chances in his career being an Easter Conference team to play against Joker in Denver and he's only showed up for the game twice. So you can you can put what you what you want on that. Uh, do I think he's afraid of anybody? No. Uh, were they going to go into that game uh, outmanned out a little bit because of injuries to Maxie and Harris? Yes. Uh, but Denver was coming off an 11-game trip, <clears throat> got in at 3.30 in the morning on Friday, and were playing a 3 o'clock game on Saturday. They were not going to be the most energetic bunch, and, and they probably could have come in and stolen that game had he played. Um, so I, I wouldn't say afraid. I, I think that... I feel like Joel is a guy that it takes very meticulous care about his stats. And without help around him, you know Denver's defense is going to completely focus on him. Um, and I think he, he took uh, an easier way out. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, finally, Todd Helton goes into the Hall of Fame on his sixth ballot. Uh, is that about where it should have been, or do Rocky fans think he should have been in there a while ago? Oh, I don't know. Listen, if you look at his numbers, if somebody in the athletic did a great breakdown analytic, I'm not a giant analytic guy, and, and he made a great case for him before the vote. Uh, I think he's a Hall of Fame player. I, I think he's – and listen, you're, you're talking to a Kansas City Royals fan for life, right? I, I grew up in Kansas, and so I'm a, I I I understand 100, 100 uh, lost seasons well. Um but he's the best player that's ever ever laced it up uh, for the Rockies. He was a fabulous defensive. He was a two-way player. He was a great hitter. Um, he was a competitive guy. Um, it, it's good for the franchise. And, and some will say, well, Larry, Larry Walker was in first, and that's fine. But Larry also spent and got a name with the, the Montreal Expos, had a great run here, and then I think with the, the – Cardinals have won a World Series with the Cardinals, so he had other stops. Todd played 17 years, which you know this. That, that's just unheard of, especially in baseball. Man, that's, that is just unheard of anymore. And so if nothing more, uh, just the longevity and the, the willingness to stay. He had a quote, I would have rather have, have gotten to a World Series with this team that had had moved on and won one with somebody else. And the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, for a bunch of years, were trying to get a trade for Todd Helton to come come play for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a he was a great player. There's no doubt about it. Scott Hastings in Denver, Colorado. Great stuff. We always appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great week. Anytime and go Royals. It's New York, Philly. There you go. Well, go, go Royals, you know? I like that. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, Aton Shander, Fox 29, the Philly voice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is next. Aton, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Sven. Hopefully you are as well, my friend. So uh, Joel Embiid is afraid of playing uh, Nikolai Jokic. Is that the case? Yes, it absolutely is the case. And and I can tell you, without, without a nine, it's... it's no longer a coincidence, if you ask me, right? I mean, what, what, where does this, like, he's worried about his numbers? I mean, that's what Scott was just telling us is the Denver side of things. What's, what's, the, what's the view in Philly? Look, I, I think it's always surrounded by something like injury, like a road trip, like they're never just going out in the middle of nowhere, or in, in like the middle of a homestand, right? It's not like, oh, they play five games at home and in the middle of that, six games at home in the middle of that, they randomly have to go out to Denver. No, I, I think what's happened is it's been on the road, somebody else like Maxi, Tobias Harris, or somebody prior, James Harden, whoever else, not playing, banged up to benefit from rest. And, or indeed, it's like there's a pretty good percentage that indeed is hurt in a season or takes time off because of rest. So I don't think he's scared, uh, but at the same time, there's definitely convenience surrounding him not playing in Denver. Well, there's also, you know, you're, you're playing at altitude. You know, big guys suck up more air than little guys do, and you know maybe yeah. it just sucks. Maybe he doesn't like like playing there. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd never even heard this uh, until today. I, I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting uh, where it's coming from. All right, let's talk about the uh, Eagles. Uh, second year in a row, Nick Sirianni is replacing both coordinators. This time, though, because they're firing the coordinators, uh, but Sirianni survives. Let's start with him. Why were they considering firing him? Why is he still there? 
he's still here because they couldn't get a better option. And, and that's unfortunately what's gone on here is that this is not a destination. They've ruined that. They have Jalen Hurts and a pretty good offense around him, and they've ruined it. I mean, they've absolutely ruined this being a destination. So they couldn't get a better coach. And instead of trying to start over and, and really being humiliated, they turned around and said, all right, we'll just beef it up with Sirianni, get him a better coordinator or two assistants would have you, and fix the problem. But that's just not going to work. And that's been the biggest issue here, is they're not going to be able to fix the problem because these guys are either going to get work, move on, and we're going to be right back to the same spot here again. Yeah, so is he hard to deal with? Is that, like, listen, he comes across as a complete jackass by Chiefs fans' measures when he was barking at the Chiefs fans uh, this year. Plus, there was that Super Bowl video where Jalen Hurts had to tell him to knock it off during the Super Bowl. Is that, I mean, that's very Todd Haley-esque, a guy he really cut his teeth, you know, in in the league as a coach here in Kansas City with. Is that that carry over to his... You know, dealings with everybody in the organization? Is he a real pain in the ass? I think so. I, I really do. I, I think it's become that, and losing really did that. It really opened it up in people's eyes. Yeah, it's funny. When you lose, then everybody, the stuff that you can kind of get by, you don't get by anymore, right? It starts to be like, oh, no, we're not we're not taking this crap anymore. Um, all right, what do we think about the hires? Kellen Moore as the... Uh, as the uh, new offensive coordinator and uh, Vic Fangio as the new defensive coordinator. We mentioned last time both coaches uh, were hired away as head coaches. Uh, now we're talking about guys that are coming in as a replacement. Kellamore goes to the Chargers. Not exactly a giant success out there, even though he got mad credit for everything that went on with the uh, Cowboys uh, down in Dallas. But uh, now... You know, he has a year where he gets away from Dak Prescott. He gets to Justin Herbert. We don't see him have success with the Chargers. Vic Fangio, one and done with the Miami Dolphins. That didn't seem to work for whatever reason, although we did talk to Miami, and Alex Dono seemed to like Vic Fangio. He seemed to be maybe against the idea of uh, of letting go of Vic Fangio. Uh, now both these guys, that uh, neither one of them had a lot of success at their last stop, are the coordinators. Aton. Uh, listen, you, you, you got a uh, you got anything you would say that's positive about this move? All right, that's Aton Shander in Philadelphia. You heard it. Nothing positive to say about the moves of the coordinators. Uh, Aton Shander, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You're the best, my friend. Appreciate it. Have yourself a great week. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue burnt end of the hour answer. Who was the last team before the Chiefs to win a road game in the conference championship, scoring 17 points or fewer? Uh, sounds like somebody the Patriots did. Nope. No. No. Uh, Steelers? Nope. Bears? Nope. I'm trying to think of great defensive teams. Giants? Nope. They did, they did once, but they, they weren't the last one to do it. Uh, I don't want me to, what year? Give me a year. Uh, 2003. I wanted to tell you the coach they well, So then they had to win and go on to the Super Bowl. So, right? So the 03 yeah. Super Bowl participants was Patriots and... 
Panthers. The Carolina Panthers. Panthers won at Philadelphia, beat Andy Reid 14 to 3. Oh. Oh, I see what you did there. That's not why I did it. You just, you just couldn't help one. like, oh, look, Andy Reid's getting all this love. <laughs> Let's bring him back down to earth. We don't want him getting a swollen head. <laughs> the others, Baltimore at Oakland in 2000, San Diego at Pittsburgh in 94, Giants at San Francisco in 90, Rams at Tampa Bay, 9 nothing in 79, Dallas at San Francisco in 70, and in the final AFL championship game, the first team in the Super Bowl era to do it, Chiefs at the Raiders in the 69 AFL championship game, 117-7. So it's the second time they've scored, they've won a, a conference or league championship game, Super Bowl era, gone to the Super Bowl by winning on the road, scoring 17 or fewer. Wow. Well, there you have it. Uh, it was quite the defensive performance, to say the least. Um, it doesn't happen often. And I'll bet there are changes on the on the officiating and in the rules to make sure that offense gets going again. It was an exciting game. Yeah. But I don't think it's what the league wants, so. No. no I think we'll I think we'll see some differences. Uh Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, if you mm-hmm. want to see the best barbecue in the world. It's at Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, Joe'sKC.com, uh, to put your order in tonight uh tonight, today, uh, or for whatever day, or to send it anywhere in the country. Joe'sKC.com, uh some burn ins, maybe a, a rocket pig. Uh, my favorite sandwich. Yes, Absolutely adore the Rocket Pig sandwich. Uh, you can uh, get that uh, right now at Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Kansas City's best, and of course, their world class fries, uh, onion rings. They are uh, out of this world, and I think the most underrated part of the equation that would be uh, the uh, the ribs. Do not mm-hmm. get you a short end of ribs, and just. You can thank me later. I'll leave it to you like that. Uh, 9133-810-810, the uh, phone number. Want to get to a couple of numbers here, by the way, from your Kansas City Chiefs. Some of the statistical, historical things that they have accomplished. Mm-hmm. One, we mentioned earlier that Patrick Mahomes has now beaten 10 AFC franchises in the playoffs. The only guy who's beaten more is Tom Brady, 11. 10 different franchises. 10. 10! Denver, Oakland, or Denver, Vegas, and L.A. Chargers. He hasn't beaten right. any of those three yet. Yeah. The three divisional opponents, because they all blow. Yeah. And he keeps b- knocking them around right. in the regular season. And then the other two are... New England. New England, who he's played and lost. And I can't remember who the last one is. Uh, let me look at the AFC real quick. Right? There'd be five. Jets. The Jets, because they stink and can't get in. Mm-hmm. Broncos and Jets. Have the Jets made the playoffs in his tenure? No. Oh, I don't think so. So... They got to get in. Once they get in, he'll beat them. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, most TD passes in postseason play, he is now uh, just one behind Peyton Manning uh, for fifth place. Peyton Manning has forty, has thirty nine. So if he throws two in the Super Bowl, he'd be fifth all time. Uh, forty five for Aaron Rodgers and Joe Montana is second. Brett Favre forty four, Peyton Manning forty. Tom Brady has eighty eight. <laughs> So still a ways like to go. Wayne Gretzky. Still a ways to go. Uh, most consecutive passes. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to go six games, six playoff games without an interception. Mm-hmm. No other quarterback has done that. Uh, he is, uh, as far as consecutive passes in the postseason without an interception, 203. That's third best. Drew Brees, 226, and Tom Brady, 237. The only guys that had longer streaks. So uh, he, could, he could pass Brees. He could pass Brady as well. I mean, he's 34. 
If he goes throws thirty four passes and no yeah. picks or thirty five, he throws thirty five in the Super Bowl, which I wouldn't. I would like him not to throw that many times. I think did he, he go thirty of thirty nine in the game yeah, against the Ravens? True. That's true. So, yeah, you can see a path where he can get there. Uh, most receptions of postseason play. Travis Kelsey took over that. He passed Jerry Rice, the first of the three receiver categories where he's passed Rice. It's going to be a little bit harder, but he did it in just twenty one games. One hundred and fifty six catches. Rice had one hundred and fifty one in twenty nine games. Uh, most receiving touchdowns. Uh, he had a touchdown in this one, so he's now at 19. Jerry Rice at 22 for uh, him to get there. So uh, a lot of the statistical accomplishments really starting to fall. Yep. You know? And, um, and it, it's you're starting to see. I think the, the thing with Rice, um, uh, it kind of crept up on me, and I follow this stuff pretty strongly, as much as probably as much as anybody uh, in this city. And when I saw the graphic last week that he was within five, it's like, uh, what? And that he's blown past him now. Um, that's unbelievable. I mean, Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice played forever and yeah. was always in the postseason. In an era in which they, you know, doesn't like playing in the 60s where they only played one game or in the 70s where they played two. He played in the three-game era. The Niners were got to buy a lot of those years. But, dude. And to just blow Jerry Rice's numbers, he's five past him in eight fewer games. Tremendous. I mean, yeah. just, just that's one of the more under underrated all time leaders in the postseason. The Chiefs Super Bowl path, if they would win it, uh, would be the hardest one ever in the DVOA era, yeah. according to uh, the Football Outsider folks or whoever runs that now. Um, because they knocked off the three toughest in the AFC in route to getting to the playoffs. They also knocked off the three best point differentials in the AFC. Uh, they were plus 77. Dolphins were plus 105. Bills 140. And the Ravens plus 203. Wow. In succession. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Two of them on the road. Uh, they'll try to be the first uh, team to win back-to-back since the New England Patriots did in 03-04. Uh, they are the fourth team to have a shot at it. To get back to yep. the game. The uh, Seahawks got back and lost to the Patriots mm-hmm. after beating the Broncos in 13. They lost in 14. The Patriots, in their 16, in their 14, 16, 18 run, also got there in 17 and lost to the Eagles. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and Tom Brady threw for like 500 yards mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, and then, of course, the Chiefs themselves. Losing to the Bucks, uh, they were not able to do it in 2020, where they were all the way back there. Um, and I love this one: Baltimore Ravens allowing zero points in the second half, matched what the 12 49ers, 2012 Ravens, 14 Patriots, 17 Eagles, and 22 Eagles did. All of them won. They're the first one ever to do it and lose. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the Chiefs' 14 postseason wins with Patrick Mahomes since 2018. Uh, that is the most ever by any team over six seasons in an NFL span. They uh, break a tie. 13 was done by the Steelers from 74 to 79, and the Patriots 13 to 18. 14, so they could go up two playoff wins wow. on the uh, on the biggest stretch from uh, 16 to 18. That's insane. Also, 89 wins total, regular season and postseason, is the most ever by a team in a six-year span. They uh, they they broke a uh, tie with the uh, 03 to 08 Patriots. They have had three extra games. Yeah, from the Patriots, you know, three seasons of 17 game football. So that's of note as well. 
So just something to consider with the greatness of your Kansas City Chiefs. I saw that the the 49ers yesterday became, I think, the fifth team, or 15 to come from 17 down at the half to win a conference or league title game. The Lions were the first to do it. Against the Niners. Against the Niners by the exact same score. They trailed 24-7 at the half, just as San Francisco did yesterday, and won 31-27. So history uh, took more than 60 years, but history finally limped around and got the Lions in the butt right when they were about to to make some good history. 913-3810-810. Let's go to the phone. Nate, you're in the program. What's going on, Nate? Hey, not much. I'm uh, I'm originally from Iowa, but I live in Little Rock now. So I was I was coming through Kansas City on my way to Iowa this weekend, um, and I heard you guys doing your picks on Friday. It made me a little nervous that you really propped up uh, the Ravens a lot <clears throat> on your picks. But the one thing I would have told you is what you said. During but did you call us that day? I couldn't. I couldn't. You didn't. Then, then, then Nate, no, you don't. You don't get to call today. We have a rule, Nate. Goodbye, Nate. We'll see you. I'll put you on hold. Here's how the rule works: We give everybody the opportunity. You call in. You give your pick. You feel free to call in, and you give it to us. I ain't got time for the guy who hides in the corner, sucking his thumb, who comes in on Monday and wants to tell us about how he had it all right. Phone lines are open on this show every day. Every day. We've already got – who's already given me a pick? Already, Jacob has got the Chiefs 24-21 over the Niners. If I end up picking the Niners and he wants to give it to me, come on, Jacob. I'll listen to it. But don't be hiding. Oh, maybe. No, no. The phone dials. The phone dials. Make the time. Uh, Brian, you're in the program. Go ahead, Brian. You know, these life moments, of which we're getting a lot recently with the Chiefs, after the headiness disappears, kind of fades into a calm reflection. How do we get here taking stock, just appreciating the moment? And as I've done that today, I've heard a lot of people, and I agree with Andy Reid, but more specifically, one call out, a little love towards the decision of bringing in Alex Smith and what what he meant for the program moving forward. Uh, they were competitive with Alex Smith, and that they had a competitive team that was ready to win, that was disciplined, that played the offense the way Andy Reid wanted to play it, and he set the stage for Patrick Mahomes to come in and just elevate it to a whole nother level. So as we all reflect and bask today, just a little thought towards Alex Smith, and that's that's all I have. For yeah, you. I think that I think that's a, a good thought, Brian, and I and I appreciate the call. I, I think, you know, for me, the 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 moral of the story with Alex Smith is always get better at the quarterback position, right? Like that's the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. If you have an opportunity to get better, get better. And that's why, you know, I was Mike Sando and I were having a, a kind of a fun conversation. He's like, well, do you think Lamar Jackson's Patrick Mahomes? Well, no, I don't. But if every team's going to make their quarterback decision based upon, their, you know, whether or not they're going to upgrade, is he Patrick Mahomes? Well, none of them are. Right. So you're never going to upgrade. Like, right. is he better than what you have? If so, then do it. It's why, to me, the lesson that Lamar Jackson this season teaches us is all those teams that were maybe thinking about it and went, nah, two first-round picks and a, and a largely guaranteed contract, we can't go there. All right. How was Derek Carr? 
I mean, how'd you do, Saints? Did you like Derek Carr? You know, um, if, if you, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders, how'd that go? Falcons and the hodgepodge of guys that they had, how was that? You know, you either take your shot in the draft, and if you don't like what you're getting in the draft, if you don't have confidence in what you're getting in the draft, and you get an opportunity to get a veteran quarterback and get better, I don't know that there's a cost that's too much. And Alex Smith cost the Chiefs two second-round picks. I mean, no, not two first, but two second-round picks. No, at, at a time that, by the way, I'll remind you, the first one was the first pick in the second round. The right. Chiefs had 1-1 one, one that year. Mm-hmm. So it was a glorified first and a second to get Alex Smith. And it did. It changed the culture of the team. It changed how they do things. 9133-810-810, you're in the program. All right, nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Taking your phone calls. Coming up, we'll get you the things you need to know. Also, going to talk to Trent Green here shortly in the five o'clock hour. Let's talk to Jerry. You're in the program, Jerry. What's going on, buddy? Not a lot. I'll put my name out there. Thirty-one twenty-one Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right, gotcha. Also, I know how big of a fan you are of lottery tickets. I think you and Kay both. Uh, yes, I think, I, of course. I, I can't wait Fag- till mine hits. Yeah, yeah. I think for Fag and Trey Jones. Would you tag and trade with Jerry Sneak? Because I think you get two tags, correct? Um, and and uh, just your thoughts, man. I, I, he's a hell of a player. But y- yes, would- and the the simple answer is yes. And I think with Chris Jones, I, I think they agreed. Part of the the contract was that they would not franchise tag him. So I think he's going to be a free agent. If I'm not mistaken, I need to look that up, though, because we're getting very soon to where that's going to be the conversation. But I would do it with Legarius Sneed, and I'd hate doing it because I love Legarius Sneed, the player, but. They have proven there's a couple things. One, the cornerback position to me, by my eyes, my eye test is it's almost like running backs. That first contract is when they're great, and then at about 27, 28, 29, they start slowing down. Second contracts, when they make all this money, they're on the downslope of their career. Your athletic peak is at age 27. At least that's what it was 15, 20 years ago. I read some physiology thing. And isn't he worth now more than he'll ever be worth? Yes, and I think his you should, you're largely paying for the downslope of his career. So why would you give him way more money to get a lesser player? Um, Sneed is 27 right now, so athletically he figures to be slowing down. Let somebody else pay that money, get the draft picks for him, and keep drafting corners. You know, uh, this year, uh, one of the guys who I think is kind of unsung in how well he played, now it'll be different when you're out there all the time, but Joshua Williams ranked as a top like 30 corner, according to PFF. And so you've got a guy to step in. You've got Watson last year's, uh, who was the kid who got hurt, Nazi Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, was, was supposedly going to beat Williams and Watson out for the third corner spot early in training camp before he got hurt in training camp. So I, I think, you know, we don't like it. It's, it's tough to give up on good players, but the only guy who ain't ever going anywhere is Patrick Mahomes, and you got to be ready to turn and burn on anybody who can't play well as they start to lose their athleticism. And I don't think that's anyone at the cornerback position. Well, thank you, guys. Like you, love your all show. Thank you. Thank much. you. I appreciate it, uh, Jerry. Thank you for the call, and thanks for the kind words. 913-810-810. Tommy Moe, you're in the program. What's up, Tommy? Not too much. I enjoy the always enjoy the chief stats uh, when it comes to the divisional championship, Super Bowl stats, compared to what we used to do at this time was breaking down the draft and free agents. So I always enjoy that <laughs> yes. instead of the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And two people, that one person I was very high on, preseason one person i was very low on 
Juwan Taylor, congratulations over the last three days. You, last three games, excuse me, you and Coach Andy Heck have done a heck of a job. You're playing up to your contract. Willie Gay, I'm a little disappointed in. If it's a schedule, if it's something along with his spine having an issue, fine. I understand. Let's not play him. It's a contact sport. But to be described as a neck spasm and not to play, and he was awful joyful after the game. I know playing NFL football is a little more to do than jumping up and down after a championship victory. So hopefully Willie Gay can play in the Super Bowl. I would like to see him line up. But Jawan Taylor, congratulations. Like I said, I was very critical of you, have been very critical of you, but you've done well the last, especially the last three games. Biggest test is coming up when it comes to Bosa across the line of scrimmage from me, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. And that lastly, have we heard anything about McCaffrey and his neck, his injury? Uh, not today. I mean, I don't think we'll start getting that until probably Wednesday or Thursday uh, with some of the injuries, but my assumption is that he'll be ready to go. Okay. He didn't play, he didn't score the touchdown, and when they recovered the outside kick, he didn't play. It was uh, Wilson or whoever the backup, Ronnie Mitchell or whoever. He well, he played. Play Are you, you're saying? No, he didn't play after he got hurt when he fell yeah. on his head. Yeah. You know, you saw him over there massaging his neck. Right. I'll just be interested in seeing how that's monitored over the next week. So, other than that, uh, Chiefs 30, Frisco 27. There it is. Uh, I wonder when we're going to get. Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate it. Um, when are we going to get a San Fran call, do you think, Curtis? Uh, I'll get my guess is Wednesday. Um, do you think? Yeah, Wednesday. Someone will call in and pick the Niners. Yep. Or is that the day Chidi is on with the Border Patrol? <laughs> Hello. I know, Jeff. Hello. I know. I know. I know. I picked the Ravens too, man. I was wrong. I picked the Ravens. I was wrong. Glad I'm wrong. I did bet the Chiefs. It's like, well, I hate doing it, but every time Holmes is a dog, I bet them. So I bet the Chiefs and I won. I'm thrilled with that. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to go on this one. I think it's a tough game. All right, Patrick Mahomes, the only quarterback to have six straight postseason starts without an interception. How many had streaks of five? Brought to you by Good Sense.